Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, back for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today we have a special guest with us today. Uh, his name's Michael Roderick. He's the CEO of a company called Small Pond Enterprises. And I don't want to really take away the steam of who Michael is and what he does. Uh, today we're going to be discussing what it takes to really go out and create a referable brand. But I wanted to kind of let Michael kind of take a moment to introduce himself. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about like... Uh, what you do and like uh, the things over at Small Pond Enterprises and how you kind of got into that position. I know you were a teacher before, so it's kind of a different tra- uh, career transition. Sure, sure. So uh, I started out as a high school English teacher and I went from being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer in under two years. Uh, so a lot of people were very curious as to how. I had done that, and at the time, I was studying educational theater at NYU, and I started doing these simulations where basically I'd have people act out one-on-one meetings, job interviews, and cocktail parties, and I started to study networking and actually look at what is it that causes certain people to want to connect with other people, how do you build really, really strong relationships And uh, eventually a lot of people just kind of kept coming to me and saying, can you teach me this process? Can you teach me how to do what you do? So I started doing a lot of consulting in the relationship building space. I started a podcast with a friend of mine called Access to Anyone, uh, which you've been on, uh, where we talk about relationship building uh, processes. And over time, I just had more and more people ask me for messaging help. Uh, So I started coming up with this concept of helping someone create a referable brand, helping them come up with an idea that would be easily shareable, really easily memorable. Uh, And I started doing more work in that space. And that's pretty much the work that I'm doing now. I'm mostly helping people with this aspect of creating the referable brand and really creating uh, significant uh, influence within their networks. That's kind of cool. I like how you kind of mentioned earlier that you would kind of recreate like cocktail parties and things like that. Did you do that with your Mm -hmm. students in your English class? So with my students, I did a lot of simulation work. Um, I didn't do that, that particular, the networking simulation itself, but I did a lot of things where I would have them act out uh, particular scenarios. So uh, for some of my seniors, I'd have them do things like act out a job interview and actually see like, how does it feel to sit across from somebody who has a job that you need uh, and sort of, you know, make that uh, type of thing happen. And I would do things where I would have them create their own scripts, build their own uh, projects. So a lot of my students actually ended up going on to become entrepreneurs because I spent a lot of time really helping them look at the real world things as opposed mm-hmm. to just, uh, you know, teaching, uh, teaching the classics and uh, vocabulary. <laughs> so you weren't really an English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> In many ways, off. I was more sort of like a real life teacher. Like I did teach, you know, I, I got my kids through the regents. I, I did the things that I needed to do. Um, but I was really interested in making sure that they understood the things that they were going to need once they got past high school. And 
how they needed to sort of manage uh, things once they got into college and, and manage things once they had to deal with real life. Cool. So um, not everyone, like a normal teacher, like let's say I wanted to kind of become a teacher. I would assume that I would walk into a classroom, pick up a textbook, go and read it, and then grade papers based off the assignments from the uh, material that I was kind of given. What, what kind of was the inspiration behind going out there and creating like all these different simulations for your students to kind of participate in? I think it really came down to the fact that I uh, had had this theater background, so I was, uh, in undergrad, I acted a bunch, and I directed shows, and I wrote plays, so I was always really kind of looking at how do I make this process more interesting. Like, I even remember when I was doing student teaching, uh, when I was still living in Rhode Island, I would take Julius Caesar because the sophomores would have to learn Julius Caesar and the way that I would help them understand it and codify the information was to create uh, their own Julius Caesar comic books because basically they had to take the concept of what happened in an act and figure out how do you boil down the most important points to just that particular principle. So I was always just kind of thinking about how do you make sure that students just don't tune out, right? You need to be entertaining. You need to create experiences that uh, kind of keep them on their toes. And that's that's where a lot of that stuff came from. That's kind of awesome, especially since um, from a lot of your high school experience in teaching, you were kind of acting as a Broadway producer, just not at Broadway at the time. <laughs> and then how that kind exactly. of actually progressed and <laughs> turned into like, be becoming a Broadway producer, and when you kind of think of that career path as, uh, <clears throat> was the ultimate goal kind of being that Broadway producer at the beginning of everything? Actually, no. I I sort of fell into uh, the, the producing world because I was getting my master's at NYU in a program called Educational Theater, where basically you combine theater with education. So it was already kind of what I was doing with my classroom. I was mentoring student teachers at the time, but I met all of these students who were actors from the different uh, acting schools at NYU. So there's Tisch and there's CAP 21, and there's a number of those different types of schools. So what I learned was that they wanted to perform. They wanted to do shows, but they didn't really care uh, or have much of an interest in the logistical side of it. And I was actually really fascinated with sort of how do you get a show off the ground? How do you raise money? How do you put all the pieces together? So a lot of these actors would come to me and say, hey, can, can I work with you? And can you just help me produce my show? So that was where I kind of first learned like what a producer even was and how that process worked. And then I started to meet more people at higher levels. So when I met uh, people at the Broadway level, I realized, oh, okay, this is actually the very top of this, of this world. I could continue working in sort of the 99 seat and under arena, or I could do something uh, on a very, very large scale. So when I learned that the main thing that you had to do to become a Broadway producer was to raise money I basically just said, okay, let me learn as much as I can about how to raise money. And the interesting thing about Broadway is that 
most people look at it from the angle of credit. They look at it as I want my name above the title. I want my name on a project. But because I was just trying to learn, I just went to other producers and said, you know what, I don't really need my name on anything. I just want deal flow so that I can practice uh, raising money. And a lot of people just kind of gave me that deal flow. So I just kept raising money and I built a lot of credibility as a result of doing that. That's kind of crazy. Like when I kind of look at my life and um, like me starting out and writing and then me getting like tapped on the shoulder of like, hey, why don't you try doing this? Hey, why don't you try doing social media? Hey, why don't you try writing a book? It's like um, it wasn't me going, oh, I need my name on a book. I need this big glorious thing to happen. It was like a lot of people kind of tapping me on the shoulder and going, hey, here's the next level up. This is what you could do together. And I'm like, oh, um, should I do it? <laughs> and going around and asking other people, and then I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go and kind of move into that direction. But, I mean, with you, it sounds like the same thing. Like, you were kind of going out there and, like, looking at things and going, how do I figure out how to do this in the best way possible? And people were kind of picking you up and moving you from teacher all the way up to Broadway producer, where you were kind of at the uh, top of the uh, echelon within the Broadway space. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, um, you said you kind of did simulations with uh, uh, cocktail parties and things like that. Was that during the Broadway producing time? Was that afterwards? Or what kind of work? How did that kind of fit in? It was around, I would say it was probably uh, around the time of my, I think it was close to my first Broadway project. So, mm-hmm. I had... Um, I had been raising money for uh, for a particular show, and I just kept getting all these people asking me questions about sort of the networking side of things and sort of how did I do what I did, and I just said, okay, I've got this theater background. I sort of understand that when people act out things, they learn a lot from what I had seen with my students and all these other things, so I said, why don't I just try... Uh, basically having people simulate these experiences and try to teach some of this material. And I, and I have this concept that I call it a white label skill, where basically it's like we have this thing that we're good at that ends up applying in almost any industry that we work in. And it just kind of keeps popping up over and over again. And my white label skill has always been teaching. I've always been very good at taking very complex things breaking them down and helping others to sort of understand them. So when I did this first workshop, I would do these simulations and then I talked to uh, the people after afterwards and be like, okay, well, what did it feel like to be stuck in a corner? Or what did it feel like to be the person who is jamming your business card in everybody's hand? And I started to realize, wow, there are, there are a lot of very specific archetypes in, in social constructs. And there are, uh, only actually a, a small number of emotions that uh, that tie to networking environments, and and only a small number of things that we really are are thinking about in those environments. So once I started to notice that, I was like, oh, I can I can build frameworks around this. And when I would teach these frameworks, they would become more successful. So it was one of the things I was sort of still in the Broadway world, I was using all of these things, but then I was asking myself, okay, why, why does somebody hand me 
money? Why does somebody invest in me? Why does somebody decide to introduce me to this higher level investor or this higher level person? Okay, can I teach other people? Can I help them understand the process behind it? Uh, and that was really where a lot of this came from. My fascination with sort of looking at, I'm always very interested in how things work. I'm always interested in patterns, and I think patterns are the precursors to frameworks. So, so I love breaking those things down and saying, okay, how do you help somebody understand this complex topic or this topic that feels like it can't be taught uh, in a way that feels simple, uh, that just kind of breaks down the concepts? I kind of love what you're saying about this, especially since you were able to go and break down these concepts by basically simulating the event so many different times. Quick random question. Would you ever be the person mm-hmm. to go and hand out a million business cards and stuff them into everyone's pockets? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was never I was never the the sort of um uh, the extroverted, like, look at me person. Uh, even as a performer, I was totally comfortable with performing and I had no problem uh, with, with performing. Uh, but I was not the one to be like, hey, look at me, right? Uh, hey, pay attention to me. I was actually much more of the person who uh, was uh, a little shy and, and was actually more comfortable, especially in social scenarios, I was more comfortable in the corner. I was more comfortable not really talking to that many people. And what I learned about all of that and the thing that sort of helped me overcome that uh, social challenge was I would host these uh, networking kind of gatherings for people in the theater community. And the interesting thing about being a host is when you're a host, you can't hide. Like you can't, you can't say like, Hey, everybody come to my party. And Oh, by the way, I'll be crying in the bathroom. You just can't do that. (laughs) So I, uh, so, so I sort of hit this point of like, okay, uh, I have to interact with people. And I started to realize that the main issue of anxiety that comes up for most people, when it comes to large-scale social situations like large parties, et cetera, it, it comes from a place of feeling like we have to prove ourselves or we have to sell ourselves. And when you change from the model of, I, you know, I have to prove myself, I have to sell myself to, the only thing I really need to do is listen and try to figure out what other people need suddenly you stop focusing on selling yourself, but then everybody wants to meet you and everybody wants to talk to you. And it's, it's one of these things where that's been the most powerful tool is, is just legitimately listening to other individuals, identifying things that would be helpful to them and then thinking who else could they talk to or what other resources could I provide? What other ideas and thoughts could I provide to help them Get to the way, get to the place where they needed to get to, and it was the same thing with Broadway. I wasn't saying I want to be the, you know, I want to be the top producer and I want to beat all of you and I want to be the one who gets the Tony before you. I was saying I want the industry to thrive. So if you guys don't know each other, you should know each other. And if you want to know my process for, you know, de- developing relationships with investors totally cool. Let me walk you through it. Let me help you because there is no competition. There's only specialization. Like we can, even if somebody does the exact same thing as me, 
they don't do it the same way that I do. They don't have the same process that I do. So I don't worry about is somebody doing the same thing or teaching the same thing because nobody can specialize in the same way that I specialize. That makes a lot of sense, and I kind of love what you said there, especially about the part where everyone's going out there and the fear and anxiety comes from having to go and prove yourself. And I've been to a lot of networking events where I just hid in the corner, and I just felt anxiety the entire time because I'm like, I'm a nobody. Why would anyone ever want to talk to me? I can't prove myself to anyone. And I think from all these classes or uh, whatever things that we see based on networking, we're told that this is what we have to do, kind of go out and sell ourselves. And in real mm-hmm. life, it plays out so similarly too. Like I, I think the natural instinct is if you kind of take David and you take Goliath, a lot of people have to go and feel that they, a lot of people feel that they have to present themselves as Goliath. And if they don't, then they have nothing to say. But then when we look at people who do present themselves as Goliath, we're like, oh, wow, we don't want to go and mess with that person. Oh, I don't want to go and talk to them. That person's not even the type of person I want to be around. But then when you see someone who's like David, who's like the underdog, you're like, oh, yeah, go, go get him. Go get him. Yes, I'll be your friend. Let's go and make this work. <laughs> and I think people kind of realize that or uh, people don't actually realize that the importance isn't really within um, going out there and touting how successful or how great you are or how you need a name on like a movie or broadcast uh, Broadway uh, production or how uh, these egotistical plays really end up working in the long run but the reality kind of comes into what actually works and I know you have a three-step guide Uh, we could take a little commercial break and we could get back to going over these three things and um, if anyone wanted to find you online Michael where could they find you? So uh, my website's just uh, smallpondenterprises.com, and I'm very, very easily searchable on, on social. So I'm on Twitter at, at Michael Roderick, or you can find me uh, hanging out at the LinkedIn and uh, Book of Faces and any number of those places. So feel free to hit me up. Happy to chat. Cool. And I'm at Mr. Leonard Kim, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Tuesday at noon Pacific time at 3 p.m. Eastern time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week have you realized your dream many have not they know what they don't want but fail to work on the things that they do want tune into live the dream with host karen Dillon and co-hosts marissa marseille and tom pearson 
Each week, they will help you find the tools you need to live your dream. You'll learn how to create a personal definition of success and what you need to make it a reality. Hear the stories of those who have successfully used their process and as a result are living their dream. Listen live Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Influencers. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, back with Michael Roderick, and we've been discussing a lot of things about how Michael kind of ended up into his career and built frameworks from a lot of his experience in teaching and also on Broadway and doing theater and kind of really understanding the uh, core emotions that people feel when they network, build connections, and things like that. Uh, what we're going to discuss now is um, in order to create a referral brand, a referable brand, um, you feel that there's three main elements that people kind of need to make their messaging uh, memorable and their ideas unforgettable. Right, uh, Michael? Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, um, so basically, it comes down to three things, and it's easy to remember them because it spells the word AIM. Uh, so you can think about it in the context of like taking aim, right? Uh, and that's accessibility, influence, which is apropos for this show, right? <laughs> and, uh, and memory. And basically, from an accessibility standpoint, if people outside of your industry can't understand what you're trying to put out into the world, then there's a very good chance that your idea or concept will only ever stay in your industry. From an influence standpoint, if people aren't going to do anything with your idea or do anything with your message, then chances are they're probably not going to spend a lot of time sharing it uh, or or doing anything doing anything with it. And most importantly, if I can't remember what you said well enough to share it with one of my friends, uh, I will be worried about looking stupid and sharing it. So in many cases, I won't share your idea because it's not as easy to remember as somebody else's idea, even if your idea is better, even if your concepts are better, because I want to look good in front of my friends at a cocktail party. (laughs) Uh, That sounds great. I mean, from from your perspective, you kind of come from an academic uh, background and and the world of a kid. <clears throat> academics, like the higher up you kind of go, the more complex topics are and the less, I guess, quote unquote, accessible they are because it kind of gets convoluted, yep. becomes really hard to understand, especially if you kind of take that physician route. <laughs> then you're this whole world of uh, 
different concepts that people can't really understand. Um, let's say you're in kind of one of those complex industries. How do you go out there and make your content or make what you're producing or share your stories in a way that's kind of more accessible and uh, for uh, in a way that more people can kind of understand it? Yeah, so basically, the I like to think about this in the, in the context of uh, container words. Uh, and basically, every industry has a certain number of words that everybody kind of uses, but it's the language of the industry, right? Um, so there are these, these big, broad words a lot of the time that cover a lot of things, but only if you were part of the industry. So, so if you're in academia... Academia rewards complexity, so somebody will use a word that is, you know, massive, right? <laughs> and in many cases, the word just means you feel bad <laughs> if you do this, or you, you know, or, or the word just means this is cheap, right? <laughs> like, so so academia rewards complexity, so people are always sort of looking at like, what is the like million dollar word that I can use, right? To basically show you how smart I am is really what it kind of comes down to, right? And for a lot of people in a lot of industries, that's the same thing. Like they want to just use the language of the industry to be like, oh, hey, look how cool I am, right? Like look at, you know, how much I know. But the problem is if I'm not part of your industry, I'm like, I don't understand. It's, it's completely like I'm, I'm confused. So what you want to do is you want to say to yourself, if I had to explain this to somebody who is not in my industry, how would I do it? If I had to take the concept, let's say you're, let's say you're in influencer marketing and you had to take the concept of, you know, pay per click or CPM and explain it to your grandma, <laughs> what language would you use? How would you break it down so that that person could understand it? (laughs) Grandma, see this? Click on it. You you spent a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, right. And and that's the thing. It's like we, we think so often that, oh, you know, we need to complicate these things. Like we need to make, you know, uh, with messaging especially, you know, we, we think that we need to be the, you know, the intuitive leadership guide from the seventh level of blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And most people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But if you're, if, if you're like, I can make sure that your people don't quit and think you're a jerk. <laughs> like, we get it. You know, like we understand how you're going to help us solve solve that problem. So I think that to your question, if you are struggling when it comes to accessibility, look at the language that you're using and ask yourself, if I said this to somebody outside of my industry, would they get it? And if they, and if people outside your industry can't get it, chances are it's not going to spread. So, um, my wife, Angie, she was watching this YouTube video. Uh, coincidentally, I watched the video the same day. The video that I, I watched was a TED video, uh, Why Do People Join Cults? And the video she was watching was of some 30-year-old cult leader who made, like, millions of dollars. And, like, she pulled up some of his videos and was like, here, listen to this. I'm like, 
okay, I have absolutely no idea what he's saying. Like, he, he speaks in, like, that thou art language from, like, 16 to 16. I'm like, no wonder not that many people pay attention to what he's doing. But anyways, so we kind of have the um, – we have the ability to go and have accessibility down. Uh, next, he said you moved into influence. Um, a lot of people might have different uh, perceptions of what influence is. What would you kind of define influence being? So I would say influence is really about will other people do something for you? If, if other people are willing to step up and do something for you, whether it be share your message, whether it be introduce you to people who can help you, whatever it is, that means that you have influence. If you are, if you basically can say to somebody, this is what I'm trying to accomplish and they want to help you accomplish it and you have a lot who are, are like that, that's, that's significant influence. And uh, I imagine you probably read the, uh, that, uh, that story about the influencer who the Instagram influencer had like 2 million followers, but couldn't sell 36 t-shirts. Did you hear about this story? Yeah, but I can't sell 36 t-shirts either. So I didn't really feel that bad for her. Let me see. If I tried to sell t-shirts, I think I'd sell like five or 10. I mean, I got a pretty big audience too, <laughs> but I'm not yeah, in the t-shirt business. But, <laughs> but, you know, it ultimately comes down to you. Like you can have a big audience, but it's like, what, you know, what percentage of that audience is willing to do something with your idea. And the thing is, it goes back to a lot of the stuff that I was talking about, about the relationship building and, and sort of the networking piece of things. If your idea and your concepts and your work makes them look good, they're going to share it. So if you develop something that basically makes them look good or helps them in their life, a concept, an idea, they are going to want to share it. They are going to, that level of influence is going to be out there. And there are, there are lots of other elements of influence that, that come into play when somebody is crafting a message and there's lots of other things that you can look at to make a message more influential. But the very top thing is, does it make somebody else look good? Because that's why they share things. Think mm. about any story that you tell. That story makes you look like someone who's worldly, who knows things, who has, you know, who's, who's part of the scene. That's why you share it. You don't share it necessarily for the fact that the other person wants you to share it. It's why if somebody says, hey, can you share this? You're kind of like, well, Why? Right, we want to know like, what's the purpose. But if you say that sharing this message is going to help so many people think differently about a particular topic or a particular idea, then a lot of people will share it because they want to look good. They want to look like the person who is sharing the good thing. Right? That's why we have all these videos that go around of these like you know, uh, moral stories and, 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 you know, uh, people winning, you know, winning awards and, uh, all these, all these like feel good, you know, tales, you know, the soul pancakes and all of that kind of stuff, because 
you look good saying, hey, look at this really inspiring story I found. And then you give somebody the opportunity to, to smile and sort of have a better day. Cool. So let's say you're a grimy type of person. Not a lot of people like you, if any. And um, I guess I'm talking about myself and when I was like maybe 23, 24. <laughs> and um, you a lot of people know you for trying to like sell ideas down other people or sell different things and not that many people well, want to talk to you because you they think that it comes with the catch or that you're going to be sold on something and um, you want to go and kind of go out there and get this influence where people kind of would share what you're doing or want to help you with what you're doing like how do you kind of go about that so basically, people get into a state of, I call it asking blinders, where basically you're spending so much time sort of asking people for things and asking you know, folks for, for things that you basically damage your network, right? Everybody starts to see you as that like grimy person who like, oh, they're coming around, they're going to ask me for something. So you're in a state of network repair during that. So you can't start by going out and saying, here's my idea, I want you to share it because you haven't actually built up any credibility with these people. So what you really need to start with at that stage is actually talking to those people and saying, you know, first off, thank you for, you know, in the past, just taking the time to talk to me and hang out with me. Uh, and I'm curious, what do you need? What are you looking for help with? Where can I support you and find out from them what's going to make them happy, what's going to help them, and you'll start to build up some credibility. And people will be like, oh, wait a second, you're not just the person who comes and asks for things, you're the person who actually does care about what I'm trying to achieve. And once you have that information, once you know where somebody else wants to get to, like what their next level is, you know, what they're, what they're trying to accomplish you then know that there may be an element of your message or an element of what you're putting together that will help them achieve that, that will help them get to whatever that particular next level is. It may be that your content is what is helping them become successful. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever heard on the Broadway side was producer, uh, uh, by the name of Kevin McCollum, who basically he had um, he had produced Rent and Avenue Q and all of these all of these top tier shows, he said to the entire room, "If you want to be a producer, take a writer to lunch," because he understood that a producer needs content; they need something that is going to basically get butts and seats and get people to pay money. So they need to find people who have that. And you may be the content for somebody who is trying to build their own brand and make more things happen. So if you're in that state of you've spent all this time asking, just start taking the time to find out what other people need and start figuring out how you can help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. And then they're going to be much more open to supporting you and helping you. Cool. So basically, you have to go and repay all the favors that you collected. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and it's and I think it's really important that you don't look at it as, um, you know, like a, a transactional, like tit for a tat kind of thing. It's like, 
if somebody did something for you in the past, it's not like you have to say, okay, I have to do the exact same thing for them or I have to, you know, I have to repay them. It's more along the lines of you just pay them the courtesy of saying thank you and asking them if they need anything, right? Mm. Like that's, that's a simple thing. That's not you're coming back and, you know, trying to repay the favor or match the favor. We'll be back after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Some encounters are mysterious, connecting us with something larger or with feelings of joy and wonder. Tune in to experiences and creative melodies that move the soul with host Danielle Burns for Gifts of Inner Wisdom. You'll hear real stories, interviews, and songs of the archetypal sacred from a deep healing perspective. Enjoy soothing harmonies of love, psyche, and soul every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim back here with Michael Brodrick and we've been talking about creating a referable brand. We've covered A, which uh, we've covered an acronym for AIM. A is for uh, the ability for people uh, to go out there and have this be transferable and easily remembered. What was the term you used for A again? Uh, accessibility. Accessibility. Then we went into I, which is influence, and uh, influence kind of covers uh, how you could get others, how many people will actually do things for you if you ask them to. And um, we talked about if you were a prickly type of person, you don't have to go out there and 
repay all the favors, but you have to be the type of person who goes out there and asks and tells people that you're there to support them with what they're doing too, to kind of repair that, uh, <clears throat> repair that brand and repair those relationships. And you were mentioning something before you were cut off about that. Oh, yes, yes. So basically people love to feel useful. They hate to feel used. So we are more than happy to support you, to do things for you, to help you with anything that you're, you know, that you're going through. And in many cases, if, if somebody helps you, the reward is that good feeling from helping you. So it's not like, oh, did they pay me back or did they pay this, fa- this favor back? The, the issue comes when somebody feels like they're just a tool for somebody else, right? Where it's just like, you just feel like used. You feel like the only reason this person hung out with me or talked to me is because they wanted this thing. And now they're just like off somewhere <laughs> you know, else doing their own thing. Sounds like when one person believes in hookup culture and the other person doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, exactly. so the the last part of this is um, M, and um, I don't think I remember what M stands for. What does M stand for? So the M stands for memory. Memory. And, <laughs> yeah. Which, which is so hilarious, far out my right? memory, like, I can't remember it. <laughs> exactly. M, M stands for memory, and, and sometimes, sometimes people forget about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but basically what it comes down to is that if your idea is not easy for somebody to remember and share, then chances are they're just not going to do anything with it. So the metaphor that I like to use is, imagine if I handed you a pile of apples and I said, walk across the room, there's a very good chance that you're going to drop some apples. But if I handed you a bag and I said, put this pile of apples in this bag and walk, walk across the room you're not going to lose any apples. It's just, you know, you're going to have a bag and it's going to be easy, right? Are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe like, maybe you trip Leonard and it goes flying across the floor or something, right? Um, But for the most part, um, when we have something to package, uh, an idea in, it becomes easier for us to remember, so we're much more likely to share it. And the mistake that I see a lot of people make when it comes to a message or it comes to something that they're trying to put out there is that often there's too many things to remember. So I can't rattle off somebody's 37 tips uh, to grow your influence, but I could certainly remember if somebody said there were three things you need to remember when it comes to growing your influence, right? Um, hopefully, I, I got the AIM down, but I only remembered I, so yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yep. And, and the thing that, that you have to remember, too, is that you may... The, different, the packages work in different ways for different people. So for, for some people, accessibility, influence, and memory are words that are very easily accessible that they just get instantly. So they remember each of those words very, very quickly. For others, that's not going to be the case. And there are always mm-hmm. going to be words that are just easier for certain people to remember than others because of your familiarity with those words. 
So in your environment, there are certain words that you hear all the time. There are certain things that pop up for you all the time. So they're going to be called to memory much, much faster. So it makes perfect sense that you would remember influence because of the name of the show. <laughs> like you see that word all the time. But if we were to, to look at how many times do you run across the word accessibility as something that you deal with in your world, probably not nearly as much, right? Same with memory, yeah. probably not as much. So that's, the, that's one of the core reasons why that, uh, why influence would stand out for you, but accessibility and memory may not be uh, as easy to remember. But the, the simpler that something is, we can usually hold it in our memory. The more complex it is, the harder it is. So, so think about it in the context of this. Everybody knows at least one joke and can usually tell that joke, right? Because it's an easy to remember thing. Like we know that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. We, we usually know what the punchline is, right? And we're able to just tell that, that joke. And, and that's why the joke gets carried along and along and along because it's easy to remember. Whereas ask somebody to basically tell you the plot of every single Black Mirror episode, it's not really going to happen. But if you say to somebody, what's your favorite Black Mirror episode? And they, they can usually give you, at the very least, one plot. True. True. I can remember a uh, joke, luckily. <laughs> I haven't seen Black Mirror, so I can't give you a plot for one of those, though. Yeah, cool. and the thing is, that's again, it's all context, right? It's all yeah. who you know and sort of what that um, and what your world is that helps you to remember certain things. Cool. So when you kind of combine accessibility, influence, and memory, that's how you create a referable brand. Yep, exactly. What you do is you you start to take your idea or your concept and you make it accessible. You come up with what is the element of influence that's going to make it move forward. And then you figure out how do I make it so easy to remember that everybody will share it, right? That everybody will just talk about it and put it out there and all of those different types of things. So you've got to look at it through each of those lenses. And once you've done that, then you have a much, much higher chance of your content being shared uh, of your ideas being considered to be memorable and of other people wanting to tell other people about the idea or the concept. Now, when we kind of hear this, like people who've been in their industries for 5, 10, 20 years, whatever it may be, they might l listen to this and go, wow, that sounds extremely simple. It sounds super easy to do. And... Um, uh, like a lot of people, when you present them with something that's like uh, pretty simple and easy to do, are kind of skeptical that it kind mm -hmm. of works. Um, and yeah. um, I, I think it's like natural to go, it can't just be that easy, can it? And is it yeah. really that easy? <laughs> and that, and and that's the thing. It's not that easy. It's 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 very it's a complex it's a complex process because each of those elements you have to test it against your market. You have to see what elements are working for you and not working for you. 
there are plenty of people who have already nailed the memory side of things and their stuff is really easy to remember, but they have no influence and nothing's actually happening, right? There, there are tons of people who have a lot of influence, but their ideas are just not accessible. People just can't get, understand what they're, you know, what they're saying. So there, there's all of this work that's done to make each of those things happen. And for some people, they've got to try and fix all of those issues. For some people, it's only one or it's two, you know? Uh, so it's, it's not an easy thing, but it's a simple framework to help you get your head around what you need to do. Cool. So let's say someone out there real uh, has come to the realization that they should probably go and figure out how to implement this AIM process into what they're doing already. Um, how would they kind of go about that? Would they um, visit you on your website? Do you have resources? Do you do calls? Or how does that kind of work with you? Sure, sure. So I write a daily email. Um, and on my website, I have a, uh, I have a PDF download um, that's called Hang With Your Heroes. And what it does is it breaks down a lot of the social, uh, like the psychological elements of like why we struggle with reaching out to people. And so how do you develop those like higher level uh, networks? And if they get that, they'll get an invite to be on my daily email list. And that's where people can hear about the different services that I have. And they can Certainly, if, uh, if you have something that you really want to work on, uh, you can reach out to me directly and just tell me, like, this is what I'm working on. I'm more than happy to chat with you and, and see if I can be helpful. Cool. Um, well, and people can find you at smallpondenterprises.com, right? Yep, smallpondenterprises.com. You can tag me uh, on uh, Twitter at, at Michael Roderick. Uh, and like I said, I'm on LinkedIn. You can feel free to reach out to me on there. I'm on the book of faces, uh, as, uh, Mike Roderick, uh, because I had gotten, um, <laughs> I had gotten hacked a while back. So, uh, I couldn't keep the Michael Roderick <laughs> name, um, but you can find me on there as well. Cool. Well, if anyone out here wants to go get the Heroes Handbook, you can go get that at smallpondenterprises.com. You can connect with Michael uh, Roderick on social media, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to tell you about all the cool Broadway shows that he's been involved with. Um, thank you so, thank you so much, Michael, for hopping onto the show with us and sharing all these deep insights, especially with uh, how uh, all these um, skits and. Uh, things that you've been doing to really go and narrow down the process. I mean, that's kind of amazing. And I don't think a lot of people have ever done that. So thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Anytime. And uh, everyone who's listening, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of grow your influence tree. And we'll see you on uh, next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.